From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you, listen. TNT. Morning. It's Friday. Welcome to Open Line. It's nearly the weekend. It's the 19th of January 2024. I'm Natalie Chill. Rick and Gemma, of course, are coming up. And we've got two guests as well. We've got Ash, aka Dutty Monkey, and Callum Smiles will be coming back live from Davos as well. Don't forget you can call in at the end of the show. And also you can get on our brilliant online chat. Uh, lots of people in there already uh, this morning. And uh, I've been looking at the uh, news through the mainstream media. Still plenty about New Year's resolutions as we're still in January. Hopefully, if you've done any, you're still keeping up with it. And I was very pleased to read that fitness experts say, thankfully, it will take five to six weeks if you've started any weightlifting or muscle uh, kind of building exercises. So I've only been doing mine a week. So, uh, you know, it's nice to know that uh, I shouldn't see any results yet, but uh, I'm warning everybody, you know, I'm on video now. So in five weeks, everyone, the chillmeister here is going to be a lean, mean fighting machine. Uh, You're not going to recognize me, Rick. (laughs) It would would seem. Well, do you know what? Uh, There's truth in what that says to a degree. They said you won't see any results for five to six weeks, but that doesn't mean to say that you're not gaining uh, on a daily basis. So if you are, every rep that you do, every push-up that you do, every chin-up that you attempt, every step that you take is progress. It's forward motion. Uh, Sometimes it can take a while for the cumulative effects of that for other people to see, but absolutely every single day that you're on a health kick, that you're eating clean, that you're exercising, that you're walking, that you're doing some uh, resistance exercise, there's progress on a daily basis, but sometimes you just don't see it. That's why people get discouraged. They want fast, they want to see fast results, but you know, as they say, one bad meal doesn't make you fat, but one good meal uh, doesn't make you skinny either. So I'll be I'll be uh, getting my muscles out in six weeks. Okay, uh, we can we can we can all see if I, if it's made a difference. Uh, but I also read this morning uh, this was a good article in the Daily Fail. It's about how Japan is fighting the fat wars. Now they've got an obesity rate there of only four uh, percent. So they're doing something right. So there was a documentary and it was six Brits were sent over there, uh, obese brat. Brits, uh, brats, they might be brats as well. Uh, But yeah, fatties, if you would uh, like to call them that, if you're not PC. Uh, And uh, they were to find out why are the Japanese so slim? So this was kind of the answers they come up with. Well, uh, the diet, obviously, the national diet is rice, veg, soya and fish, no junk food, Uh, chopsticks. Everybody eats with chopsticks and they say it's very, very hard to uh, binge eat or put on weight if you only eat with chopsticks. So that's my tip for the day. No knives and forks. Throw the meat out and eat everything with chopsticks. Uh, fat shaming is completely normal in Japan. So when you're walking through the street, it's quite normal for someone to come up to you and pinch a bit of fat and ask uh, why, why that is. So uh, whether you agree with that or not, I don't know. Uh, walking is a national pastime. And this this is the one, Rick, I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, this is the one I'm not sure that we'd agree with. It sounds a bit big brother. They have an exercise broadcast put on radio 
by the government every morning and every office they get to do a nice exercise routine they all stand around uh, government assisted exercises every morning what do you reckon in japan do you reckon that's going to go down very well in britain it's not going to happen and now number one can you see uh the average brit eating with chopsticks most of them can't even manage a knife and fork in (laughs) fact most of them just about manage with their hands i've seen savages eating in restaurants with their hands so chopsticks is out and in terms of running up to people and pinching their bellies and giving it a wobble and saying, what's that about? Natalie, I've seen people uh, almost decapitated for less than that for uh, encroaching on personal space in the UK and Ireland. So whilst it sounds uh, effective, it is a little bit invasive and you have to understand it's a cultural thing over there. And when you try and force that culture on another culture that's completely the opposite, then you're going to get friction and you're going to get aggro. But without a doubt, let's be honest, the 4% obesity stats speak for themselves. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be walking down the street tomorrow and everyone runs up to me and grabs a, a lump of flab and gives it a shake and says, Rick, it's time you were on the healthy re- eating regime. I'd get a little bit upset. I might even get a little bit violent. Well, and, so, and to yeah, be honest, I don't think it's going yeah. to work here. And you could see evidence of that because, you know, these these Brits were grossly overweight and uh, they were walking down a Japanese street and you could actually see people were staring at them, you know, pointing and laughing. Uh, And there was evidence of that within the documentary. So, yeah, if you want to go and see someone fat shame, that's the place to go today. Uh, We've got to take a quick pause and we'll uh, say hello to Gemma here at today's News Talk. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. I've got a confession, Gemma. I can't actually use chopsticks still. I'm still trying to learn. I'm absolutely rubbish, but I'm someone that likes to shovel my food in. And often at a meal, uh, I finish before people have taken like a couple of mouthfuls. So I need to slow down as well. Can you use chopsticks? I can. It took some trial and error, but yeah, I can use chopsticks. And um, it, the thing is about what you've just been talking about in Japan, yeah, it's completely culturally different. I get that, but it, it works. It works, doesn't it? That's the thing. The stats speak for themselves. Uh, And, uh, you know, you could argue that a healthier life is a happier life. I'm not fat shaming anybody. You know, if you want to eat, eat. If you don't want to eat, don't eat. It's nothing to do with me, what you put in your body. Uh, But clearly it is a problem here in the Western world as opposed to other countries. And just a real quick one, though, they do eat junk food. Do you know what their Christmas dinner is? Christmas dinner in Japan. And this is a real cultural thing there. Christmas dinner in Japan is KFC. Oh my goodness. I, I'd get on I could I could eat a KFC for Christmas. What do you reckon, Rick? No. KFC, I do prefer a roast dinner though. A roast dinner is the what best was meal going ever. Into, if you knew what was going into those KFC frying fats, you would not be eating KFC. It is the pits of all junk food. It's like it's the Starbucks of junk. Uh, Starbucks is the coffee. What KFC is to junk food, you would not get and me near a KFC, no chance. The prices in KFC, um, I paid a ridiculous amount. I said to the kids, I'm not going there at all anymore. It, it, it used to be cheap. It's ridiculous. And it's the one uh, uh, takeaway that I always go and eat and really look forward to it and be bitterly disappointed. Like I remember it being lovely as a child and then thinking, yeah, that really wasn't that nice. So, yeah, if you want to if you want to lose weight and stay healthy, look at Japanese culture. And uh, we've got a story, haven't we, about NATO this morning, Gemma? 
Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's Friday, isn't it? And we do try to kind of end the week on a positive note or at least bring some positive energy and a bit of a laugh to the the programs here on TNT. But this one's impossible to ignore. I mean, within the last hour, actually, it's been announced that there have been further um, attacks on on U.S. ships in the Red Sea by Houthis. And uh, Joe Biden, despite the fact that his strikes on the targets in Yemen, which are claimed to be Houthis, have been ongoing, it hasn't stopped them. And, that, and they, they struck um, two missiles on a U.S. tanker uh, late last night, and uh, the details have just emerged in the last hour. The U.S. military has released the details. Um, Biden says that his strikes on Yemen targets will continue. It's not stopping anything in the Red Sea, and we've seen the the action between Iran and Pakistan this week. And what is very interesting is that we've had this meeting in Brussels over the last two days of the NATO top military brass, and uh, the the guy in charge, uh, Admiral Rob Bauer, the Dutch admiral who's in charge of all the NATO military chiefs, he gave a press briefing after the meetings were over, to, just to the media. And the language that's coming out of that, lots of people are talking about World War Three now. It's been trending on social media this week. In some of the mainstream papers today, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen uh, maps of the world where the safest countries to go to should there be a nuclear war are being listed. Um, you know, So the fear is really ramping up. And this NATO top chief, in his press briefing, after the two-day um, meeting of the NATO chiefs, says... We must be ready to prepare for a global war. Civilians around the world must be ready for conflict, and this will affect their lives. He's talking about conscription in, in Western countries around the world. He wasn't uh, specific about which country. He was just talking about conscription generally. And he says the next 20 years will in no way be hunky-dory. So lots of people now commenting and talking about the possibility of nuclear missile action. Uh, the next 20 years, I mean, I would argue, what does this NATO chief know that we don't know. Uh, This press briefing was called specifically after the meeting of NATO military top brass, and it comes ahead of NATO's biggest ever military drill next week, Operation Steadfast, which is uh, something the UK has pledged to send 20,000 troops to and quite a bit of uh, UK military equipment. This is the biggest NATO drill since the Second World War, uh, and it begins next week. So they're obviously preparing for something, and the language that's being used here is very direct. You know, the next 20 years are not going to be very nice. Prepare for your behavior to be changed. He also said we need to all fall back in the West on an industrial military base that can produce weapons and ammo at very fast um, pace. Um, Now, I was talking about this thing with Sonia Poulton this week. You know, we've suddenly seen tensions escalate between Iran and Pakistan, which have had fraught relations for decades, actually, because of their shared border and, and the rebel groups on both sides that live on that border and operate out of that border. Why suddenly now are we seeing strikes between those countries? That could have happened at any time within the last 10 to 20 years, but we're seeing it now. We're also seeing this language and this discussion about global war, possibly nuclear war now. I, I would just put it to you guys, and I'm very interested to hear your opinion. Is this all just to keep us in a state of fear because the last four years didn't work and the elite controllers overplayed their hand and we we saw through it and we stood up against it? This one is more difficult to sort of not be frightened about because of the potential Uh, if indeed there is the potential, or whether it's just a climate of fear that they want to create because then it makes us more malleable. If you look behind the headlines of what these people are saying, is the end result what they want really is just another climate of fear? Um, I was I was going to come in if you don't mind, Rick, because uh, uh, I was going to say when I first saw this story and you sent it through, Gemma, um, and I've spoken about this before, we've seen so much from 1984. We've seen George Orwell's kind of predictions come true in many ways. 
But uh, for those of you that have actually read the book in full, there's a whole kind of textbook section about how to control the world. Uh, And it says you have to create a war, but you have to create it uh, basically in people's heads rather than uh, actually a war itself, a war between East Asia, Eurasia and Oceania. And essentially, um, as far as I'm concerned, because I can't trust the mainstream media at all, we don't really know if, if all these are they really doing strikes? I mean, do we actually have a person there telling us they're doing them? Are they actually doing them? Because that's what happens in 1984. They tell us they're doing strikes in other parts of the world. They tell us that uh, we're at war with people and that's what keeps people in fear. Now, I'm not suggesting that things aren't true and they're not happening, but I am saying at this point with so many wars, you know, it, it, it's certainly starting to feel like a like a we're living within a 1984 style uh be fearing of all wars and everything that's going on rick yeah the the doomsday clock you know they're always saying about moving the hands close to midnight we're closer to midnight than we've ever been before you know wars fighting conflict is nothing new for as long as there's been people on the earth there's been fighting and there's been wars however at the minute uh tensions are very very high and all it takes is something to set something else off and a chain reaction could follow or maybe nothing will happen at all. Uh, Time will reveal everything, but without a shadow of a doubt, when you look at the last two years with Ukraine and Russia, uh, NATO in the fringes there too, half a million odd people dead at a conservative estimate. You look at what's happening in Israel-Palestine at the minute, uh, and Gaza, you know, 30 odd thousand civilians dead in the space of what, 100 days and escalating. Now we'll have this Iran, Yemen, US strikes, Taiwan, China. Who knows? Maybe it'll all fizzle out, Natalie. Time will tell all. Or maybe it is a fabrication to a degree. Or maybe all hell is just about to break loose. But as per right now, as per today, all we can do is live our life in the moment and make the best of it and not be governed and controlled by fear of what might happen. Deal with it uh, when and if it comes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. uh, you, You go, Gemma. Well, I was just going to say, you know, for him to say, oh, the next 20 years, it's not going to be hunky-dory, this top military person, basically saying, have a have a really bad and awful 20 years. Now, listen, I'm in my 50s. If I've only got 20 good years left, I'll live my life how I see fit, um, you know, because <laughs> that's life. It's for living, nothing more. And I won't be dictated to by some shadowy military operational general coming out of NATO. You know, they'll get prepared for 20 years. It's not going to be very nice for you. I think, well, I'll be the judge of that. Thank you very much. So I'm agreeing with you, Rick. Let's just all we can do in the face of it is think right how do i want to live my life in the face of this relentless onslaught of negativity and fear which i do think is a big part of this like you said natalie create the war in people's heads yeah and and uh, the thing to also point out is, yes, these things are reported to have all, uh, all happening when we know some of them are, are, are true, but they're not really pushing any peace, are they? You know, that, that kind of goes along with the fear narrative, because I haven't heard this person come out and say, do you know what? Why don't we work really hard at, at achieving peace throughout the world and we can then have a really happy next 20 years? It's no doom and gloom the next 20 years don't even bother living because there's going to be a world war free so uh yeah choose you know uh you know freedom is in your own mind so you know you should get to choose how you want to live the next 20 years thank you Gemma. have a lovely villain natalie so you would you'd be a great bond villain (laughs) i think
you reckon? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I could come on and do a two little villain section every week moving forward. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Gemma. Have a lovely weekend. She'll be next up with Rick at Locked and Loaded. And uh, we've got a guest next, uh, Ash, a.k.a. Dutty Monkey, here at today's News Talk. TNT's Darren Denslow. Yeah, I'm talking about the illness. Actually, that has done, has been doing the rhymes. Not have we only seen a, uh, a mass influx of people waving their COVID tests online. Look, I got a red line. It's like, oh my God, people are testing. Or people, you know, trying to encourage others to wear their masks. Um, but there has been a talk of a dry cough. There have been doctors coming out. We've seen loads of cases of that. Uh, have you been suffering from, you know, a bit of cough and flu or cold? Well, Darren, I, I, I just I just did my eighth test, oh, and okay. um, I, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get lines and lines. Why? Well, because work's coming back up, isn't it? Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. tntradio.live. They're the hammers. Welcome back. Uh, we've got Ash uh, from X here. Uh, he, uh, you can follow him at uh, Ash, I uh, know you can't, I haven't got my notes in front of me, uh, Dutty Monkey underscore, uh, and he says he's a conscious realist. He uh, spoke out online and in person about Convid, and he's here now to talk about Joey Barton and the controversy with uh, the women's footballer. Uh, and I haven't got my notes in front of me. Eku, what, what's her name? Uh, so apparently she's uh she's had to flee, flee the country today or she's been uh come out on uh social media she's scared for her life because of joey barton and what he said and uh yeah what do you reckon what's your take on this do you think she's really that scared or does she think she's making a mountain out of a molehill Oh, it's just she's just played the victim card completely now, hasn't she? Uh, if you're looking on online and you're and you're reading the comments and everything, you know she's failing miserably. She doesn't have the support that she thought she obviously was going to get, you know. And um, people have just got absolutely on to town with Joey Barton, haven't they? You know, they're they're talking about all things that are irrelevant to what he's saying, and that for me that just proves that you know when you're shooting the messenger and not the message, then you know it doesn't look good, does it? Yeah, and uh, uh, I'm I'm a big football fan, and uh, Paddy Kenny, uh, he's an ex Sheffield United goalkeeper, and he's a good laugh. Mm. I remember being uh, in the stands when he was a goalkeeper, and I was a Reading fan, and he and he has a good laugh mm. with the fans. And uh, he was one to criticise her commentary. Uh, actually, it was about Declan Rice moving to Arsenal, and she made some really mm. quite stupid comments. And she uh, went into his personal Twitter messages and gave him he gave him a barrage of. Uh, insults and uh, he obviously posted them and it didn't make her look very good uh, she said you're just jealous of me basically she called uh, Joey Barton in, in her notes as well you're all white racist boys uh, and of course I don't think she thought that these were uh, gonna come to air did she 
No, it's just ridiculous. To even insinuate that this has got anything to do with racism is just beyond the joke and comical and farcical, you know. And it just proves again that she's completely losing the argument with all of this, you know. He's not there talking about her race or the fact that she is a woman. He, what he's actually disputing is the fact that you can't do your job. You know, and it has yep. absolutely nothing to do with the fact that you're a woman, because if you remember correctly, on Soccer AM for about 20 years, we had Helen yep. Chamberlain and she's like one of the best pundits out there. So it just proves it has yep. absolutely nothing to do with your race or the fact that you're a woman. You know, it's just the fact yep. that you're not very good at your job. <laughs> and and I would like, I'd, like to, I'd like to say as well, if you would go on uh, uh, Paddy Kenny's uh, Twitter, he's done a nice little mm. video and he says, and he says, uh, uh, because of her abuse, I've had to go abroad. And he's sitting, he's sitting there <laughs> abroad <laughs> himself. He said, I'm extremely upset and I've had to flee the country to go to an all-inclusive. And uh, as you follow football as well, uh, I'm sure mm. you'll be aware that there, there's well known, there are men footballers who have been professional footballers. Most people in the country think Michael Owen is a rubbish pundit or Owen Hargreaves Lee. or Garth Crooks. I'll say that to you. I bet you agree, right? That's, <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's, that's what, absolutely. These are, it's so so it's not about uh, you know just if you're black or you're a woman if you're rubbish at your job right people are going to call yeah. you out on it aren't they just like we can with michael owen it's well known he's absolutely terrible it's a running joke right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely you know and it, like you said it's a running joke within the industry somehow the man's still there doing his job but you know like <laughs> But, you, but with, yeah. with people like that, you know, you can you can say to them, you know, like you have the right to be there. All right. You might not necessarily be the greatest pundit, but, you know, you played for England. You know, you're one of the best best players in the premiership we've ever seen. So, you know, he, get, he gets his chance to do it, you know. Yeah. And uh, Rick, it seems uh, she says that she's uh, gone and got lawyers. So do we think uh, moving forward that she is going to have a case against Joey Barton? Or do we think in terms of the online safety bill, these type of, uh, you know, we're kind of laughing at these kind of rants, but could they make a difference moving forward, Rick, to the online safety bill? <laughs> Uh, well, they could. I mean, uh, the one thing we'll have to point out as well here is this any aluko isn't exactly the sharpest uh, tool in the toolkit. Uh, and the, the headline here that we're actually covering is uh, former England forward Ellie Anuko says she has been scared and fled the country because of online abuse. Well, I, I don't know if any realizes or not, but it doesn't matter if you flee the country or not. If you're getting abused online, as long as you have an internet connection, you're still <laughs> going to get online abuse. So if she goes to Timbuktu or she goes to Australia or Tibet, she's still going to get online abuse. So any, I hate to burst your bubble here, but as long as you've got a phone in your hand, you're but, still going to get online Rick, abuse. Running she, away she, from England ain't going to help. She also went on to say, you have no right to comment um, on um, me being a pundit unless you're a pundit yourself. So then people came back at her and went, but you're not a man and you're commentating on men's football. So again, you've kind of like completely stabbed yourself in the foot. So she doesn't seem <laughs> to be the, uh, the, the smartest girl, does she, Ash? No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. One of the funniest things I see today, though, was Jay Barty put up a... Um, a, 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 a what they call them a, a result thing so he's asked who, who would you rather listen to Karen Carney any Aluko Izzy Christiansen or the winner at 78% was the mute button <laughs> and and do you know, do you know what I, I was going to say I've grown up with football like season ticket holder I still watch as much football as I can love it at the weekends 
And as a woman, I don't like many of the women commentators, you know, and yeah, it, it, there are also the men's ones that I don't like. But in general, if you're good at your job, nobody minds a, a woman doing, you know, there was a woman referee that's come up. And from everybody that I've heard, um, they've said she's really good at her job. There's nobody's actually been criticizing about the woman referee because she's been got there on merit and she's worked her way up mm. the leagues. And everyone has said, actually, she's really good, Ash. So, what you know, why is it that they're commenting, you know, focusing on that were particular people who you're allowed to criticize, right? Absolutely. I think the I think we, me and Rick touched on this last week. You know, it's not the fact like we're saying of women; it's the diversity higher we're seeing now. You know, if you're black, if you're gay, if you're a Muslim, if you're like you can you can now get these positions, these jobs, these roles purely based on these things, and it has absolutely nothing to do with your talent or your ability to do the job. You know, and these these are these are why people are now getting the ump because it's you know we don't want to see these people just for the sake of seeing them. You know, it doesn't work like that, you know, unfortunately. So this is yeah, where we exactly. are now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To finish off as well, I did see a lot on X. There were people, as you often do when anyone speaks out, it's like you can't win. If people don't say anything, you know, you're a sheep. But if you speak out, mm. you must be a Freemason or controlled opposition. So I had a whole mm. bunch of people say, I'm not following Joey Barton. He's obviously controlled opposition. And I'm like, mm, mm. well, it's... For this one, for me, I'll be the first one to say that. Well, his brother is in prison for, for, for murder. He has been in mm. prison himself. He's been a controversial figure for as long as I remember. You know, a lot of people won't remember him. I do. He's been like this for as long as I, as, as long as I know. I just think yeah. he's maybe new to the game personally and, and just learning himself. Like, well, I don't know what you think. Are you thinking controlled opposition? Mean you know? How many people? How many people? How many people asked do you think who called Joey Barton controlled opposition and a Freemason online would actually go up and say to, to his face if they were really convicted oh, none of about them. it? I'm this, thinking this none. is why I'm no, thinking this zero. Is this is why none of the footballers are talking back to him because they know he's a real one. You know, they know he's <laughs> yeah. the one to get a hand and a they, good kick. They, they the know weekend. he knows all the secrets as well. Yeah. You know what I mean, and they 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 they're all shitting the football. They were scared of him. <laughs> defecating. <laughs> They're defecating in their underpants. Because yeah. <laughs> he's come out and said, I, I know all your I know all your uh, history. Uh that have you noticed, apart from um like Matt Letizio, who's backed him, nobody's really mm. arguing with him. And even Gary no. Neville just put laughy face, laughy face, laughy face. Good old uh, virtue signaling Neville and Lineker. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank you, um, Ash, uh, for coming on. It was brilliant. We've had we've had a good laugh. Hopefully, we can come on again with any updates uh, when when uh, the legal cases cases come through. Uh, remember, <laughs> you can follow him at DuttyMonkey underscore. And uh, we've got another guest after the break. Callum Smiles is coming live from Davos on TNT. Exciting news. Brace yourself. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. After taunting congressional leaders for weeks and crying foul to the press, the US president's son, Hunter Biden, has reluctantly agreed to testify in private next month as part of the House's impeachment investigation into his father. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has confirmed he wants to seize control of Gaza once the war ends. And US Congress has passed another short-term funding bill, preventing a government shutdown until at least March. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. 
every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Okay, we're coming at you live. We are, well, we're beaming out of our headquarters in the Gold Coast in Australia, but I'm in Ireland, Natalie's over in England, and uh, our next guest, Callum, is currently in situ at Davos. He's been covering the WEF shenanigans and skullduggery all week, and we've been very, very glad to have him here on TNT, giving us some daily updates. Last day of uh, Davos, uh, I was talking to someone you bumped into, Simon Milne, yesterday. He was doing a great sleep out there. I, I believe you two guys had lunch. It's a small world out there, isn't it? Maybe uh, you might even bump into us next year Davos what do you reckon yeah maybe maybe yeah no he's um he's a lovely chap Simon and if uh, if anyone hasn't seen the work work they've done at uh, the great sleep out with homelessentrepreneurs.org yeah check it out it's uh they're just a really nice bunch actually I'm thinking next year I'm gonna I might for the, for the first night that they get here I think I might go camp out with them so you know they did 150k walk to get to uh, Davos before they did the sleep out as well. They walked for five days, they walked about 120 miles over five days to get there and then they kept out for three days. So yeah, big respect to them and big respect to you too, because you've been running around in the sh in your shorts and t-shirt. That's pretty hardcore considering I got down to minus 16 degrees uh, in Switzerland. But uh, I saw some, uh, we're going to get a rundown over the last uh, 24 hours. I noticed David Cameron just called me Dave, had set foot down in Davos he was uh, videoed yesterday making a making a little promo clip saying that he was there and he was reintroducing or reiterating his support for Ukraine, how if Ukraine falls that we're all going to fall and their security is our security. Uh, did you see Dave uh, on your travels yesterday? I did, yes, because I asked him why he's here because he was obviously the most senior politician from the UK <clears throat> here in Davos. And, you know, I asked him, credit where it's due, he actually gave me a bit of an answer you know most of them tend to just stay silent he just said he's here to speak to other foreign secretaries to talk about ukraine russia israel palestine but then didn't want to say anything else because you know he's off oh, i've got a speech to think about despite that we all know someone else writes their speeches um but he then stayed silent when i asked you know why are we sending money abroad when our quality of life is degrading here in the united kingdom if we've got the money to send it away there's an old saying if a country can afford to set to send money abroad it's taxing it's taxing its own citizens too much uh -huh. uh, and what did you find uh did you find it interesting or strange that you mentioned there that cameron was probably the most senior british politician there usually at these uh these get-togethers in davos you would at the very least expect to see the prime minister there the deputy prime minister other members of the cabinet there uh very strange is it a sign of the times possibly that this thing is on the way and when it's being not snubbed but you know maybe people have other things to do than go there so they sent david cameron out as the token british representative I'm I'm hoping so. Yeah, I mean that it would be a nice thing to, to, especially to tell our grandkids that we were there to witness the beginning of the end. You know, the good way, not the end of the world. But <laughs> but you know, uh, I I'm gutted. I, I've not managed to see Tony Blair this year, and I know he's here because I've seen a video um him and Gordon Brown, but I was on the other side of the conference center. So 
Unfortunately, I've only been one place at a time. Natalie's uh, screwing her face up horribly off camera here at the very mention of Phony Tony Blair and, of course, I, I our know. very own Gordon Brown. Know, Natalie, I... what do you reckon? Why, why, why aren't we seeing more of uh, El Tony over there? He likes the camera, doesn't he? He likes the spotlight. Why do you think he's in the shadows at Davos? Do you think he's doing skullduggery behind oh, closed sure. doors? Or what, what do you oh, well, I'm sure we'll hear news reports to, of him tomorrow, probably, you know, talking about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But I don't know if I want to be near him. You know, like, he looks like that Ghostbuster villain now. I just think he's got a... He's like the devil incarnate. I think he's just got a really bad like aura around him maybe it may be best to stay clear you know I, I, I don't think i don't trust him at all that one yeah and, uh, and you know I'd, I'd always i always think you know whenever i see like tony blair here i always think i wonder what david kelly would think about his appearance here <laughs> yeah mm, exactly mm, exactly that dead could speak only the dead could speak and i'll tell you what somebody who, who should probably have been dead a long time ago he looks like a reanimated corpse john Kerry, he's out there as well he's still banging on the uh climate drum this is an interesting statement callum tell me what you think about this this is a statement that he made so john Kerry says that not one democratically elected politician can stop the climate agenda in his uh, address to the WEF. He said, if you wind up with a different president of America who was opposed to the climate crisis, I've got news for you. No one politician anywhere in the world can undo what is happening right now. The only issue for all of us is not whether we can get on to a new low carbon economically. We will. The only question is, will we get there in time to meet the challenge of the scientists to avoid the worst consequences of this crisis? So interesting message coming from John Kerry as well he's basically saying it doesn't matter who's uh, running america or who's uh, the president of the eu no one person can stop this thing we're going to make sure that it's implemented a little bit of a sinister message from john Kerry, don't you think well yes i mean it kind of it makes me think back to when um, that famous clip that often does around on social media uh, where you have klaus schwab in have infiltrated every single government in the world yeah <laughs> so um uh, they haven't just infiltrated governments, they've infiltrated all the big corporations, which is why they're all here as well. I was talking to someone yesterday, he said someone they, they know, their company uh, used to send people, it costs quarter of a million apparently per company to sign up to this. And it's 30 grand per head that they send here. Mental. It is. Simon was saying yesterday about the accommodation over in Davos. I think there's around about 2,000 uh, hotel rooms that are up for grabs. All of those obviously had been taken. And he was talking about also uh, Japanese businesses, for example, had been approaching uh, store owners in Davos to rent their shop out just to promote their businesses at around about £40,000 a week. They were prepared to pay them just to close their doors and put livery up in their windows. Such a, It's not a big place. You know, it's not a well-known place. If it wasn't for the WEF, no one probably would know anything about Davos. But yet, year after year, it seems to attract mega money. And then people you have here, like uh, Kiri here, they're uh, banging on about the climate drum. What is it about Davos? What's Why don't they move it, do you think, to a more prestigious? location is there something significant about davos or am i uh over analyzing this i think i think it's mainly about security really security and privacy <clears throat> obviously you know I, I i came here in september literally to find accommodation for january and that was you know i, I was doing that on a, on a wing of women of prayer then so i think unless you are weirdly obsessed like myself <laughs> or have the money to 
come up here and try and pay for somewhere and then come in every day like you know i'm, I'm 10 kilometers away that's where we're staying and it was 1400 pounds for the week the next cheapest one was seven grand so it's i think it's almost you know, it's it's a very easy place to defend as well you know the the, the snipers are not most of the roofs it's a very open street but it's also a very small street so it's getting to there is difficult so i think that well, is why davos that's why you think well it could be plus it's you know they've been holding it there for so long as well maybe it's just a tradition that's died uh died in the world for those people over there too yeah Listen, the we bus really drive i had the other day he said when they started um he, he used to they, when it was a, the first time it started they'd they'd ski with all the the families that come up with the west so he, he when he was a, a young boy when he, in 1971 they'd all basically go skiing with them that afterwards and she's grown and grown and grown and grown and oh, they run the world no more skiing with the bus drivers for the uh, Davos attendees, I would imagine. But listen, we've got a call time in this one. Now. I want to say a massive thank you. You just remind you, people, uh, just to remind people, they can follow you on X at C Smiles underscore news. You have a website, Callum, C A L L U M, smilesmedia.com. And please, if you can or if you can see fit to do so, get on there and uh, show him a little bit of encouragement and support. He's out there out of his own pocket trying to do these uh, reviews and interviews. And hopefully, uh, you know, you'll 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 benefit from this in terms of the investment of your time that you've made this week Callum and we have uh, really really enjoyed talking with you and maybe uh, we'll talk to you again when you're back back home again so from Natalie and I big team absolutely big thank and, you uh, yeah thank you Callum so we're going to take another uh, break right now and when we come back Natalie and I will be chewing the fat up until the top of the hour and the lines will be open this is open line so please feel free to give us a call here live on TNT today's news talk Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last Friday was Anna Navarro's birthday. So The View celebrated with drag queens from her home state of Florida. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> the arts saves lives. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. amen. Drag shows bring people together. When you come to our show, you leave your problems at the door. You leave whatever the governor said at the door, whatever the president said at the door. You don't want to hear about them at our show. You come to our show to hear Cher, Beyonce, <laughs> Lady Gaga, and have a good time. And regardless of where you come from, regardless of who you are, you're all there to celebrate one thing, the drag queens. And they use the opportunity to bash Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Maybe DeSantis secretly wants to get dressed up in ladies' clothes. Is that possible? Well, he has my number, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's really important that we understand that it's not that DeSantis went after, you know, LGBTQ and drag. He went after the R house in specific. Yeah, he tried yeah. to shut them down. Now, DeSantis did launch an investigation into the R house bar in 2022 because there were accusations that children were at these drag queen shows. And there was a video reportedly of a, an exposed drag queen holding the hand and leading a kid around. So good for DeSantis, shame on these ladies, all of them. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez. And normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. 
they may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back. And don't forget, you can pick up the phones. Me and Rick don't bite. If you've listened to anything this morning and you want to give your view, we would love to hear from you. And the online chat is nice and busy, so you can also uh, have your say there as well. Uh, the first uh, story we'll discuss this morning uh, just proves you can't win with critical race theory. Uh, so there's a, a story that's come out of Manchester's King Road Primary School. And uh, there was a teacher and she was indeed asked to leave to leave and be removed from the school but it was only after she had continually complained of racism due to critical race theory now this is some of the things that she had done and uh, you know i'd be like to hear on the online chat what you think of them library books have been removed art displays have been taken down because of her views uh, she objected to a visiting magician referring to pupils as little monkeys. The word monkeys then got banned throughout the school. She was so sensitive to racist slurs um, that she said it was inappropriate for a black child to have a sticky word label with the word black current on it. That was deemed racist as well. Um, and she also, during her two decades of the school, raised complaints about, about nine colleagues and had uh, made allegations of incidents of microaggressions throughout the school continually. Uh, and uh, it was led, follows teachers uh, to make an official statement and a complaint. They said they were afraid to use the word black in her presence because she risked them being racist. But at the same time, then she also suggested that their inability to use the word black made them black phobic and they were uncomfortable about a black collie. So they weren't allowed to use the word black, but they were also wrong to not use the word black, Rick. So where the hell does that leave people in a school environment? Uh, this woman is what's classically called an almighty pain in the arse. What an absolute yeah. nightmare it must have been to go into a place of work with this individual, not because she's black or even what she was saying, but just these anally retentive, aggravating, self-entitled humans that make other people's lives misery, virtue signal where they can, and I, and I think get a kick out of it, Natalie. It's a power thing. I can control what's in the library. I can control what stickers go in the children's, you know, blazers, black current is out. This library book is banned. You can't say black. You don't say black enough. What an almighty pain in the ass. And I'm sure the, the teachers in that place were more than ecstatically happy whenever she exited and she was bucked out of the job 
pub and uh, the door hit her on the way out. What an absolute pain in the ass. I don't know about you, but I just have no uh, tolerance for that at all. I could not work in an environment like that with that woman. It's continually wanting to be a victim, but I believe (laughs) she took them to court and she won her court case uh, for basically uh, being got rid of in terms of racism. But this, the one example for me is that they were so scared of her, they didn't want to use the word black, and she agreed that was wrong. But then she also said, but the fact that you don't want to use the word black is also racist. So she's clearly saying just there was nothing they could do. Just basically her being there and them being white people, essentially, was a problem. So how can you move forward and how can you make solutions, you know, moving forward for for not to have this division? If people like there are out there and basically saying, well, it's always going to be a problem. You can't actually do anything right. It's like Narcissist 101, isn't it? It's all about me. I'm a continual victim. And let's not actually try and make the situation any better. You just want rid of them. I can't blame the school for trying to get rid of her, can you? No, no. And, you know, as they say, good riddance to bad rubbish. I don't know if she stayed in the teaching profession or not. I'm sure she found another school somewhere uh, who would have probably been afraid not to hire after she got her payout for dismissal from the other school. I don't know. But not only the, the, the teachers, but imagine being a kid in the classroom with this uh, menace of a woman. Uh, uh, just, just bad news. The, there should be so much more tighter regulation on people that are allowed to actually teach children or be allowed into school settings, you know, to teach whenever they're obviously disruptive individuals. Uh, and of course, there is racism that happens in schools. There's racism that happens everywhere, but it's not all white on black. It can be black on white. It can be, you know, Muslim on Sikh. It can be Sikh on Jew. Yeah. It can be Jew on white. It can be everything. So we don't tolerate rated period but uh, people like this are just uh, attention grabbing spotlight hoggers uh, and I'm glad that she is uh, gone remember it was when I was in school I'm sure it come from a comedy and you know the kids used to do it loads when I was in school if they got told off they'd say is it because I'm black miss is it because I'm black yeah, it would be like a constant, like uh, like Mickey taking. And I'm sure it was a comedian did it. And, you know, even the white people in the class would go, yeah, but is it because I'm black, miss? Is that why you're getting at me? And that's kind of like where we're at. But they're taking it seriously now. It's not a joke anymore. You know, and, and we completely condone all forms of racism. But critical race theory isn't true racism. It's saying that you're inherently wrong just for being born a white person. And, and, and you have this inherent white privilege. And I just absolutely think you know morgan freeman uh, famously said the best thing you can do about racism is not to talk about it and not to judge people on the color of their skin it's the best way to get rid of it stop talking about it so these people are going the wrong way i just have to i don't like correcting you but you said that oh, we I... completely condone all forms of oh, racism i think no, you don't. meant to say we condemn it <laughs> <laughs> Wrong word. Just in case, just in case <laughs> Ofcom oh, come banging gonna... on the door, it's an easy mistake to make. No, we don't condone it. We condemn it. <laughs> so there you go. Or maybe you're don't. just having a Freudian slip dig at this uh, ex-teacher yeah. uh, that Nana oh, Akua brought to people's minds. But uh, speaking of uh, pains in the ass, speaking of pains in the ass, it would be unremit of us not to mention uh, Rishi Sunak. He has been fact-checked yet again. This guy is the gift 
gift that just keeps on giving. Talking about uh, thousands of people uh, benefiting from tax breaks, thousands of people this, thousands of people that. But the bottom line is, Natalie, we have said over the last week or two, most of the things that he's putting up on social media at the minute uh, are being uh, fact-checked and ripped apart, but yet he's still putting them out and this is still happening and we told people that they should employ the fact checkers in number 10 to save the embarrassment. Why do you think he's being allowed to run amok or at least the person running his account is being allowed to run amok here on X or on social media platforms and they still haven't reined him in yet? Well, I'm starting to wonder. We often say about there's an agenda and there's a script and I wonder if they do want the Labour Party to win the next election and this is part of the script. Uh, make uh, the Tories look incompetent, uh, keep putting these lies out, keep getting it community noted, mm-hmm. uh, make them look even more stupid, ensure Labour get their landslide victory, uh, then Labour can bring in all the same, you know, they're, they're the same party now, but Labour tend to push these policies even more. So Labour will then get in, bring in the same Tory policies, but uh, they they will be even stricter and we're going to suffer even more greatly because in real PR, you wouldn't be allowed this. If this was genuine and you yeah. kept getting community noted, you know, a no corporate company would really want this, but uh, it, they keep allowing it. So I think to a degree we're getting trolled now. I think this is part of the plan. Yeah, because what he actually said was, uh, again, this was the message that was posted up just yesterday. I have a plan, I have a cunning plan. Plan, see a plan, see? To stop the boats. Again, they're not small boats anymore, it's now boats. And it's working. Small boat arrivals are down. Labour can't say how they'd stop the boats because they don't have a plan and they would take us back to square one. So that was his statement. And somebody has put up a message, uh, uh, the community note to say the number of migrants arriving by small boats since January the 1st this year is already higher than this time last year. And while small boats crossings fell last year via 2022, some claim this was because of incredibly bad weather conditions in the English Channel. So it's got nothing to do with plans. Number one, the small boats uh, problem hasn't went down. It's still bad. And number two, if it did go down, it's because of inclement weather conditions has got absolutely nothing to do with anything that the Tory government has proposed. No, absolutely not. And that's... The thing is, they're they're using lies, Rick, that literally everyone knows are a lie. And generally, politicians at least try to be more clever with their PR stunts. And that's why I think at this point, I'm starting to think it's deliberate. Uh, They want to make uh, the Tory party look incompetent and uh, they won a Labour landslide. And this is part of it. Uh, You know, I I don't think they're going to stop. I think we're going to see more community tweets. I think uh, they're going to carry on making the Tory party, you know, uh, we've got uh, got another story we can cover similar to the post office, another injustice being done. Uh, I wonder if, you know, it's just going to keep coming up that the Tory party aren't dealing with anything properly. And uh, it's almost inevitable then. Unfortunately, people don't vote vote the right way. And I've heard uh, just people, uh, my normal friends talking who aren't really involved in politics. I will never vote Tory again. I hate Rishi. And what does that mean? They don't tend to vote independence. They don't tend to spoil their vote. They'll probably go and vote Labour. So I think more so than ever, I think a Labour landslide is is, is what they're, they're hinting at in doing these things. 
I think you're right. Uh, just I'm having a brief uh, look at the live chat. We don't normally get an opportunity to do that. So I'm just delving into that right now. So a lot of people in the live chat right now, a lot of people leaving messages. Uh, Nige uh, is in there hidden in plain sight. We Fat Sugar is in there. Mr. Moose is in there. Skippy, of course. Uh, Holly, I've seen her in there. Mazzy's in there. Uh, yeah, Natalie is a gem. Uh, Nige has just said, I think you've got a fan there. Uh, Dud said, we're all brothers and sisters. Don't let the bastards divide us yes very sage advice from you too and also the uh is it because i'm black miss uh i think that was ali g someone oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that was ali g so there you go oh yeah, i loved all the ali g movies i actually watched the ali g movie um i don't know if it's still on netflix oh my goodness there is no way no way that would get that that would get done uh be able to be made now it is unreal some of the things he said <laughs> you know he was like calling people out batty boys and all of that type of thing that it would never never be allowed anymore so yeah yeah if you want a good laugh and something that's not politically correct go and watch ali g yeah and that was it is it because i'm black and he's not black obviously he was a jew so there we go <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that so, yeah, was even Ali G. And the thing is, he was so good at trolling. I think he did get interviews with some uh, top-level politicians. He did. And, when he was uh, They actually thought, yeah, when he was Borat, and they actually thought that he was just a little bit touched, a little bit strange, Eastern European type person. But of course, it was a troll job all along. And that's the best type of wind up when the other person isn't actually aware or not questioning am i actually being wound up here's this guy for real the guy was so good at it that nobody actually uh, could discern that when he was live on air with them uh what else have we got we're trying to cover uh one more before the top of the hour what about thousands being uh targeted by harsh uh hmrc tax collecting scheme linked to 10 suicides so it's coming up to that time of the year self-assessment bills need to be paid by the end of january if you're self-employed uh hard-handed approaches by the hmrc 10 people killing themselves uh what's 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 been going on there yeah so i just wanted to say as well hidden in plain sight says nat that was the plan make you hate the government except the world one world government and the new world order so essentially you know that's the other way if you keep uh, making the governments look incompetent there's another solution that can be offered so you know that was worth mentioning but yeah mps are actually preparing to debate this loan charge in parliament today uh, where they will hear that tens of thousands of people were the victims of widespread mis-selling and they will question why hmrc is putting not putting more energy into targeting the promoters and companies responsible for the schemes so essentially some people who didn't have a lot of money were told they had to get paid via these loan schemes. Uh, they didn't really have a choice, but they, they were told these loan schemes would pay their tax and national insurance. Well, guess what? These corrupt loan schemes didn't pay their tax and national insurance. And then they got a letter through the door saying, you now owe it up to £24,000 mm -hmm. uh, some some people had. Now, if you're on a, on a basic wage, most people don't have £24,000. So uh, they had to take up more loans, go into debt, bankruptcy. There has been officially 10 suicides linked to this loan charge already. And uh, the HMRC, they're not giving up. They don't care. Even though it was another miscarriage of justice, they are still going after these people for money rather than the companies, the corrupt companies that sold these loan charges charges instead so yeah another one like the post office absolutely wrong on every level rick 
And if you don't pay them, by the way, you know, you can say, oh, I'm not paying you. They'll, they'll just start accruing interest payments on That's the 24 yeah. grand. They'll do late payment charges. Then they'll threaten to bankrupt you and take everything away from you. I cannot even begin to imagine the mental anguish of getting a letter like that, Natalie, in January. After, you know, maybe you're uh, on your uppers anyway after a, a rough festive season and then all of a sudden a brown envelope, those horrible, cheap and nasty brown envelopes drop through the yeah. door from the customs saying, by the way, Ms. Chill, you owe us 24,000 quid and if you don't pay up, you're going to start accruing interest. That would just ruin your day rightly, wouldn't it? It would. And, and the same thing with what we were saying about Rishi. Now, really, if they cared about the public, do you know what they could do today in Parliament? They could come out and say, do you know what? This is wrong. We're going to write off all of that debt for the people that were missold these schemes. But he's not going to do that, is he? So it's all a joke. All of the PR stunt with the post office, the same with this. They could actually just write it off, couldn't they, if they really were decent people and cared about the public, Rick? They could. They could. And but they're not going to the do billions, They're not going to do it. They can squander billions of our money, but they can't write off 24 grand uh, loans. So for people who were actually a miscarriage of justice. So there we go. It's the weekend for me now. Carry on listening to Rick, though, because he's here for Locks and Loaded uh, with guests galore as usual. I'm going to go and enjoy my Friday. You have a wonderful weekend, everyone out there, and I will see you back at Monday on Monday at 9am. Bye-bye.